Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. And good evening. Welcome to Padres Social Hour. It's our last show of the week, and we're going to end with a bang, as we've been doing each of the last several weeks. Don Orsillo and Mark Grant are with me. Let's just jump right into it. We will get our uh, daily KBO update, certainly let you know if the Wiz were able to complete a second consecutive sweep or if they fell just short. Uh, We also do have some news kind of trickling out in terms of the – Current status of the negotiations between the league and the Players Association for getting baseball in 2020. But before we get to any of that, Mud informed me uh, via text earlier today. He has a bone to pick yeah. uh, with his his broadcast partner. Uh, so, Mud, I'll just kind of get out of the way. I don't know what this is, but the, the floor is yours. Well, Jesse, thank you very much. And once again, it's an honor being here with both of you. Uh, Don, I have a bone to pick with you. Uh, I had a conversation with my mother, my mom, and dad yesterday. They are back in Joliet, Illinois. They watch the show. And mom, dad, greetings. Welcome to the show. I love you both very much with all my heart. Best parents in the world. So I'm on the phone with Sue. There's our family picture right there, by the way. Mom, let's take it in our kitchen at home. I'll bring it up later. So she says to me, oh, honey, uh, have you gained a few pounds? <laughs> and I go, uh, a few. Yeah, maybe one or two, mom. And she goes, I'll... Because Don's always getting on you about your weight. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. No, it's no big deal. I think it's funny. She thinks it's hilarious. Is it true? It's true. So is is Don in the Sue Grant doghouse, or is she, like, agreeing with him? No, she's agreeing. (laughs) Well, I mean, that shirt, first of all, is like a smock. Is that a car cover? What is that? It's a tarp. (laughs) This can cover the infield. I covered your house with that thing. So there's my mom and dad. There's Sue and Larry. There's Sue. There's Larry. There's my. And look at the way this picture is taken. You guys see anything funny about this picture? Uh, you look at it. Looks like it's my mom's hand. Look at the size of the mitt on her. Look at that. <laughs> That's actually my hand on my sister Lynn's shoulder, and my sister Leslie is on my right. Uh, Lynn is on my left. I'm, I'm the uh, the baby of the family. But doesn't it look like it's my mom's hand on my sister's shoulder? <laughs> Same shirt color, too. That's, that's yeah. So anyway, mom and dad are watching. Love you both very much. Yeah. And, uh, uh, my mom watches every week, too. She actually watches when I'm not on. She loves hi, the Marianne. show. Hi, Loves this show. Big Jesse Agler fan. Cute. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Great personality seems like a nice guy. I said, have you gained mm, a few pounds? Not so much. <laughs> Does your mom still worry about your, your health? Do you still get that with regularity or was uh, this just because Don was saying something? It just because Don was, she kind of chuckled when she said, which I thought was yeah. awesome. I think it's way. upwards of 30 pounds. So, <laughs> uh, 30 ish. So no, sorry. Maybe half. If we play baseball in July, there's a lot of work to be done between now and then my fat friend. <laughs> so donnie it's all good i thought it was very yeah. funny i thought it was humorous okay. she, she loves you by the way yeah, well thank you i'm a big yeah. fan uh, uh mud do i remember correctly you told me once that you your sense of humor comes directly from your mother my mom has got a great sense of humor my dad does too very very dry and, and real quick story back in joliet they have a thing back in the day softball in the snow it was in january will county sheriffs and police would play against the uh the celebrities local why, why they invited me i'll never know 
but you know, athletes and stuff would come back and play the Will County Sheriffs and uh, police officers. And this was at a, a, a Pony League field in Joliet. And they would broadcast it on WJOL, small city, small, you know, not a 5,000 watt radio station that goes from, you know, one end of the house to the other. So I was pitching, it's slow pitch softball. So it's like snow on the ground and stuff. So my mom and dad are on the radio up in the booth because I'm um, their son and they're just commenting with the guy who was doing the, the play by play. Don Lattice was his name. So I had a one, two, three inning. First guy, one, two, three, one, two, three. On. So that's the end of the inning. And my mom says on the radio, Oh, I think that's the first one, two, three inning Mark's had since Little League. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So she's hey. got a sense of humor. My dad's got a dry sense of humor. And uh, yeah, a lot of yucks. Raleigh Fingers, what's going on with your mustache? Is that yeah. wax? It is. Yeah. Uh, are you, so you're twisting it now? Wow. I'm, I'm going to look like Salvador Dali by the end of. Wow. I'm going to get it going. It's going to be. It's going to be. Yeah. I feel like it would be more impactful if you shaved the beard and just kept that. I might do that. And you Maybe think it looks good? First interview. Just to be clear. <laughs> Was that Donnie? You think it looks good, to be clear? <laughs> like you look in the mirror and go. I don't care how. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm styling. <laughs> yeah. yeah this one. really looks good. Oh, yeah. So anyway, um, thanks for letting me uh, tell that story, Jesse. And Donnie, it's all good, man. Jesse, I have one more thing. What yeah. size is that shirt? You want to know what size it is? I do. It's I, a I really three could you stand XL. Up? It's a three XLT. Could you oh. stand up too, so everybody gets the full feel of the length, which is like infinity. It's like never ending. It's like a never ending. It's a never ending pool. It's a never ending <laughs> shirt. There it is. Always <laughs> covers the shorts. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like god it's, it's unbelievable it's, it's a tarp when oh, it rains at petco they say hey we need one of mud's shirts cover a car with that thing it's a <laughs> giant smock matt balo uh, 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 looks good on you though man oh my gosh it's a nice I'm color sorry. though like a mint yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, big big mint it's a really and, uh, big don mint. Uh, i have to admit donnie looking very sexy that shirt matches your eyes Thank you. Very nice. Cha cha. Yeah. yeah, how you doing? He knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you snorted. I know I did. I, I snort every now and again. Hey, you snorted. guys have a Friar Friday tomorrow, right? We do. Yeah. Yankees, big Yankee Stadium. We yeah. here's the thing though. I'm a little nervous he's gonna get thrown out again like he did last time with the whole uh pass oh. thing <laughs> that we had happen last year. You, you gotta Jesse, take, yeah. Remember that, Jesse? Oh, I remember it. I Let, got, can I tell I the story? Booked and fingerprinted at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Go ahead, tell the story. So hard for them to tell take your version. So here's my version. First of all, it's Yankee Stadium. Everybody knows the Yankees. It's Wall Street. It's pinstripes. It's very buttoned up. You know, oh, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's very. That's the Yankee Major Stadium. League. <laughs> You're going into it at that, so you have to know that. And then, you know, security at Yankee Stadium is very serious, more than I would say at any other place we go. Mm -hmm. They take their security very seriously for, I think, fair reasons, uh, you know, based on the history of things that have happened in that city, uh, the the Yankees in general, everything like that. Mm -hmm. So their security protocols are enhanced, I would say, as compared to everywhere else we go. So Mudcat on his official MLB pass, and they're this big, the little credit card size things. Uh, has an old baseball card photo taped over his current headshot. Everywhere we go, 
you know, the 80 year old security volunteer. They're all such nice guys around the place. Not volunteers. They work. They, oh, look at that. That's funny. That's you when you played. Ah, ha, ha, ha. The guy in the tunnel at Yankee Stadium was not so amused. Mark is unfamiliar to him. This is not a place we go very often. This not is funny. not an official pass. So he pulls mud aside as we're all walking back up to the booth. <laughs> I thought so it was like you're on like, the field for batting practice. Yeah. We're going through the tunnel to go up to the booth, and the guy basically yanks mud away and starts interrogating him about the pass. I don't know what happened after that because Don and I were hungry. We went upstairs to eat. So, well, I I, I will tell you tomorrow that we tell the story tomorrow night. Um, yeah, I was on the elevator up to the press room dining room at yankee stadium and i got off and there was a guy there and he i think i got him right here (laughs) like telling the other security he wasn't gonna allow me into the press room because of my picture on my id and then i eventually apologized to everybody security is everyone's responsibility absolutely (laughs) (sighs) i just there's that that could happen tomorrow night before yeah well be careful a great booth though good view friday yeah. great booth good great, great food. monitors great yeah. food great, great food. food you like got it, hey best like at seven philadelphia versus yankee stadium press dining mudcat best of seven that's a that's a photo uh, finish it's gonna f- go game it, i gotta go yankee stadium philly and six <laughs> really <laughs> yeah it's the ice cream at the end. You know what? I will. I will take that back because the the uh, the uh, the people who work in Philly are much more oh, like home. Frank. Yeah, Frank's great with the uh, the the uh, the ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, and to give you, that, remember that year we got rained out in Philly. It was early in the season, so they were looking ahead on the schedule. It was like in early May. We got rained out, and they were looking like ahead in June and July for a makeup game. So the woman who runs the kitchen there, and she's great. She's been there for many many years. And they found out what the date was for the for the rescheduled game. She comes up to me. She goes, you guys are in town July, whatever. What do you want for dinner that night? I was like, really? I say, okay, pork chops and applesauce. Fast forward to July 12th. Guess what? We had pork chops and applesauce in Philly in the press room dining area that night. I was surprised you didn't order. Sloppy Joe. Philly Philly and six. I agree with Don. What's that, Donnie? Sloppy Joe's or fish sticks would be great. Sloppy Joe's. Oh, my gosh. Meatloaf. Throw some meatloaf in there. Mix the cottage cheese and the applesauce together. Oh, so good. I got a shower. Anyway. uh, Let's get down to business. In terms of baseball 2020, uh, as I think most people probably have heard by now, earlier uh, this week, uh, the uh, MLB leadership sent the Players Association a 67-page document where they sort of outlined uh, in a first draft sort of style uh, the ideas they had in terms of health and safety for the 2020 season if they can pull this thing off. And again, the the goal is to be able to do spring training in mid-June. The goal is to be able to start the season uh, early in July, maybe July 4th weekend, maybe a couple of days before that, and to play about half of a normal schedule, 81, 82 games, somewhere in there. A lot of hurdles to clear, and, and the health and safety, probably A, the biggest hurdle, and B, the first hurdle, because it's not worth talking about everything else until you figure out health and safety protocols uh, that both sides agree are, are reasonable, fair, and and good enough, you know, stringent enough uh, to keep everybody healthy. So the document was passed along. It was a first draft. We know that. We hadn't really heard much in the last couple of days in terms of uh, the players' response to that. But this afternoon, news started to come out uh, about what the players thought about that and kind of pushing this thing forward. Joel Sherman of the New York Post uh, was the first to report something earlier today. He said Players Association sent its response to MLB's health and safety proposal. The union said its response was wide-ranging and included uh, some of the following stuff. Testing frequency. Protocols for positive tests, 
uh, so as uh, to mean what happens when someone tests positive, particularly on the road, because that's more complicated, of course, uh, in-stadium medical personnel, protections for high-risk players and their families, access to pre- and post-game therapies, sanitation, uh, sanitization protocols. Um, so there's kind of a lot to unpack there. Testing frequency has sort of been the thing that we've heard from the very, very beginning of all of this that would be the key to potentially unlocking the ability to play in 2020. And I believe in the proposal, they said something along the lines of you'd be tested twice a week. Uh, and one of the things we're hearing from the players now is that they would prefer daily testing. And one of the reasons they'd prefer daily testing is that then they think they could loosen some of the on-field restrictions in terms of not being able to sit near each other, go near each other, sunflower seeds, that kind of stuff. Their argument, guys, is basically, hey, look, you're testing us every single day. Maybe we don't have to be as concerned about stretching within 10 feet of other people. Uh, again, the main thing we took away from all of this was that it was a first draft. It was sort of a, the start of a conversation. It wasn't an edict being handed down uh, by Rob Manfred from the mountaintop or anything like that. Jeff Passon of ESPN added a little bit more color and, and information later on in the day. Uh, this is uh, what the Players Association had to say to him uh, and really the only public comment they're making about this. The union has spent the past several days carefully reviewing the manual and gathering feedback from its medical experts and players across the league, including a three and a half hour video conference with 100 plus player leaders on Monday night. We expect to provide our initial initial feedback to the league today. So that's sort of the latest, unless anything's happened in the last 10 minutes while we were talking about uh, whatever nonsense we were talking about. Um, it, it, I guess the, to me, Don, the, the first thing that jumps out to me is like, OK, we're having a dialogue. And that at least is a positive. No, I, I think it's a very good positive. Uh, it sounded like uh, from everything that I read today and, and talking to some players uh, earlier this week that they agreed with somewhere around the neighborhood of 80% of what was on that 67-page document that you were talking about. There were just some areas that they were concerned with, and certainly I think number one was the testing thing, and I think that's coming out today, and that's what we're we're reading about for the most part. They'd like to be tested every day, and I think that also uh, prevents really the virus from getting into a facility. Uh, if you're able to do that and identify very quickly that this person now is positive they're gone they're out of there they're they're quarantined they're not in that situation they're back at their hotel or they're back at home uh in their areas and that person doesn't get in does not bring the virus inside to the facility and and part of that is as you said really to keep it away so that they can do more normal things as a group inside and one of the bigger issues actually of all this is the showering situation uh yeah. that was something that was very very uh, common through the players they want to be able to take a shower after the game uh not get on the bus and go back to the hotel and then shower there in their own areas uh they'd like to be able to do that they would like to do sunflower seeds and some of the little stuff that seemed like little stuff to us on paper really isn't for them you know i, I think it's uh, some of the those common things are, are big deal. So, uh, and I think the, they're feeling a little restricted as far as you can't leave the hotel unless you get uh, a prior approval from the training staff. I think they, they feel like that's being pushed a little bit as to their rights. And uh, if they are tested every day, they do have it, they're gone. So, I mean, it's really sort of up to each guy to make sure that he takes care of himself and, you know, tries to do as best they can uh, in social distancing. So I, I don't see a problem with any of these issues. And I'm not sure the owners are going to have that many problems with these issues. But I do think that they sent over a bunch of stuff and then stuff came back that they were like, we're really not too good on this. Can we do more? Uh, the only thing that I have is the, the they don't want to make it look like they're taking tests away from the public and from yeah. other people just because they're major league baseball players. And I think they're a little, they're mindful of that. Uh, but I think the testing is there for them to do it every day. So we'll see. 
that's that's the tricky thing with that was that MLB and we talked about this earlier in the week I think has partnered with their Utah lab that does the PED testing to create these new tests so that they wouldn't be siphoning a supply that already exists and in addition to that they would be then adding more tests into the communities uh, where the teams are so they'd actually have a net positive of the number of tests available in the different major league cities um, but that was sort of the idea if they were doing testing a couple times a week if you go from two tests a week per player to seven tests a week per player that math changes obviously and and, and, you know, perhaps it would be a little bit more difficult to come up with that number of tests in order to not be taking away from from what the public needs. So that could be, you know, a production hurdle. Um, but it kind of feels like the sort of thing that can be figured out. And like you said, if you can do that, uh, then, Mud, we don't have to worry about, you know, a, a bus full of guys heading to the airport without a shower. I know it's yeah, it's back in the old uh, Pony League tournament days when you traveled on the road and you, you got back to the hotel and then you gave all your even in rookie ball on the road, we had to come back to the hotel, gathered our belongings that we wore. And then we took it to the trainer's room where he did the laundry. And then he went to the trainer's room the next day. Anyway, it's a long story, but getting back to what Donnie said, there's a lot to digest there. The 80% as far as what's on the list. And, you know, first of all, are we going to have a drop dead date to where it's like all or nothing? And then if that happens, which probably will it, it, like any negotiation, it gets down to the 11th hour to where, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they will play obviously, but like so much to digest here. If one guy gets it, who's going to adhere to the rules to stay to stay negative if there is testing? Um, who you know? Who did you who who were you with? What did you touch? Did did that person touch that thing? Did whatever? It just it's a lot going on there. So have to adhere by the rules. And if somebody is positive, what's the repercussions of that? And then another guy gets it, whatever. But with the daily testing and stuff like that, there's just a lot going on there, and it's it's amazes to me that they can put this through. But a drop dead date, I want to know when that is, and also when it gets to that date. Uh, those other things they have to iron out in the agreement. Is it going to get down to the 11th hour and say, yes, we're going to have baseball? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You read any of the articles about this and all the medical experts, uh, no matter how confident they are in being able to pull off this plan or not. Like it seems like to a man and a woman, they all say, hey, someone's getting it like you, we have to kind of go into it knowing that eyes wide open. Uh, you're not going to be able to throw a perfect game, so to speak, here and keep everybody fully healthy. Uh, it's, it's about as much as anything else, how you react when that happens. Um, Austin Hedges has been a guy uh, very much in the middle of this conversation from a Padre perspective. He is the uh, union rep in the Padre clubhouse. Uh, Kevin Acey had a story that came out just a couple of hours ago in the Union Tribune in which he quoted Hedges. Uh, we've got some of what Austin said there, which I think was pretty insightful, at least into how he's thinking. And I'm sure he's not alone. Whatever he said, let's do it. These are small sacrifices to make talking about, you know, some of the stuff in regards to how life might be different for big leaguers. The fact is, it's already going to be weird. Everything is going to be uncomfortable. No one's going to show up to the yard like it's a normal season. Baseball is such a game of routine. When you take away certain guys' routines, we're all going to be uncomfortable no matter what. Let's just be uncomfortable, but bring some money home to our families and try to be the best team for the coronavirus season. Um, and I like that. We're going to start calling it that. Mm -hmm. If we're holding up the World Series trophy in November and we're able to have a social distancing parade in the gas lamp, I'm going to be just as happy as if we won a World Series in a normal season. I really like that from Austin. I, I thought that was kind of a thoughtful response. And, and guys, just sort of like saying, hey, look, we know it's going to be weird. We know it's going to be different. There aren't going to be fans. Um, you know, we might not be able to do everything we're normally able to do, but it's still baseball. And we, we can make this work, even if, you know, maybe we, we can't hop in the, the cold tub or whatever the way we normally can. That's just one example. Mm -hmm. Don't need anything else from me, Donnie. I mean, I like what Austin no. said. I, I don't need to add anything to that. Well, no, I, I think it stands on its own. It's pretty mm -hmm. good. Yeah. All right. So that was uh, Austin Hedges with Kevin Acey earlier today in the Union Tribune. Wait and see, as always, on that. Uh, it does sound like the dialogue is going to ramp up a little bit uh, today and tomorrow between those two sides. 
And we'll talk about that on next week's shows. Certainly time now for our daily KBO sadness report. Uh, that's what we call our look at the KT Wiz. We named it this uh, during a horrible losing streak. Uh, luckily, though, they, they started to turn it around pretty much as soon as we did that. They had won five consecutive games going into last night's affair against the Hanwha Eagles as they went for a second consecutive sweep. Unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. It was a 9-4 loss uh, for the Wiz in last night's game. Uh, they will now open up a weekend series tonight at 2.30 in the morning on the road against the LG Twins. That's the second-place team. Uh, and then they'll come home next week uh, for a series against Matt Williams Kia Tigers still won five out of six though, guys trying to get it uh, all figured out here. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more about the whiz Dan Kurtz of uh, mykbo.net, uh, which has become sort of this invaluable website for all of us who are following this league. Uh, will join us a little bit later and he's got some uh, great insight on the league in general and on the whiz in particular, but the, the winning streak came to an end last night, guys. It's a, it's a marathon, mm. not a sprint. It'll be okay. That's and uh, we'll, we'll wait and see what's next with the whiz. Oh man. <laughs> That's such a heartbreaker, Donnie. That's tough. That's tough. Boy, it's been big for the KBO, though, huh? Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've gotten to be seen more than ever before. It's uh, It's been pretty cool. And uh, those guys are enjoying it, a lot of them, certainly. And we'll, we'll talk to Dan about all of that. They are also, by the way, in South Korea, getting closer, uh, perhaps at least, to starting to get some fans back in the ballpark. Obviously, the mascots and cheerleaders have been Cheerleader, there. Cheerleaders, yeah. Uh, yeah, with the masks. Uh, this was tweeted earlier today. I guess stage one will be 20% capacity. Uh, stage two would be 35% capacity. Stage three would be 50% capacity. And you can kind of see in the little chart there, I guess this was what NC Dinos had put out. Um, so the first one is phase one. And I guess the yellow is where somebody would sit. So it's every four seats or every five seats, I guess. Uh, and then phase two with 35% capacity, every other seat uh, in some places. And then like a completely empty row in other places. And then when they get to 50% capacity, basically they would just do every other seat uh, to fill the ballpark. So that's the idea floating around in South Korea as they get closer. Again, you know, we sort of warn that just because they're going to be able to perhaps do this in a couple of weeks in the KBO doesn't mean that X number of weeks into the major league season will be able to do it. It's very regionalized and hyper-localized and you got to wait and see how everything goes. But it's another encouraging thing, Don, that they're like already kind of floating ideas out there about how they might be able to get people back in the stands. And I'm sure MLB is watching very, very closely. Yeah, it's kind of been the blueprint a little bit to see how they do it and and how things go. I mean, as they do go into those different phases, as you said, uh, are there going to be curves to that? Are we going to see stuff come? I mean, are more people going to get infected that way? And then they have to back off that. Uh, I think the one thing for me that's going to be interesting in Major League Baseball is that as we're seeing across the country, the different places are opening at different paces are there going to be fans in some ballparks and not in other ballparks like are there going to be fans in in florida and in texas when there's not fans in california and any of the home teams or when do they come back or do they all come back at once otherwise they don't do it I, i'm just curious about all that and i'm not sure if there's any answers at this point you know my question is lottery is there going to be a lottery for tickets or is it going to be first come first serve on the internet where uh, you buy tickets uh because it, me being a baseball fan i want to see baseball that's gonna be a hot ticket and by those charts that we saw, uh, fewer people, and then add a little bit more, and then and then more. I mean, it's going to be – you're laughing because I said fewer, right, Jesse? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is it going to be a lottery? Is it going to be, you know – are the, I, the, I would guess in a lot of places, you know, they would maybe give priority to season ticket members. I don't know, you know, and say, hey, if you want it, you know, and like you said, we'll, we'll go as First high as we can. Refusal. 
There you go. Yeah, I have a question. Sure. Under that system, do they like if you come as a family, are you able to sit with your family? Even though I mean, or do you have to do uh, separate seats in between there? I, that, I, that was another thing I had read, which was if you come with your family, you guys can sit together because you've been obviously you know quarantining together, that kind of thing. So yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that's a good question. As was your your point about you know what's happening if the rules in Florida and Texas are different than here, different than Arizona. You know, you get a little bit of a buzz in the crowd when you go play, you know, the Rangers or something like that, but not necessarily in another place. That's all stuff that they'll have to figure out. There was an easy joke there also about Florida attendance, but I'll, I'll, I'll just pass it. <laughs> that's a that's a state mandated thing, right? As far yeah. as attendance, as far as who's going to or how many people, whatever. Right. That's state mandated. I, you know, it's different and different. I feel like yeah. it, it is. Yeah. But then by, I think by, sometimes by the governor the can get involved and yeah. it depends on your county's numbers. That seems to be how a lot of this stuff is working. And I'm not trying to play expert here, but uh, just reading the news is like, you know, if your county has good numbers, you can kind of apply to the state to have, you know, to the next stage of whatever. So I don't know if it would be the same for baseball attendance or if it would just be a separate thing altogether. It's complicated stuff, man. I mean, none of this is easy from a, yeah. from a logistical standpoint. Uh, one other KBO thing, Mud, I, I wanted this uh, for you in, in particular before we get to the Dan Kurtz interview. We've had some fun with some great, strike three action from these umpires and mud's our umpire guy this oh. was the first guy the lawnmower oh. guy oh yeah <laughs> and then drill it into the ground it's striking then yeah <laughs> grab some pine he's got he's got good setup very good mechanics good view of the plate he's in the slot which they call it wow. um and then bam <laughs> gone i like that and oh, that's then, a, yeah. a punch out yeah literal punch out this came out this week i like the hesitation here as i recall Oh, I've seen that before. That's the chainsaw, but uh, it's kind of like, Ugh. yeah, a little, little bit of a pause and boom. Yeah. Very nice. I like that. So, you know, as, as our umpire expert, will you give the edge to the chainsaw, the first guy? Uh, the I like the first guy better. Yes. Because I've seen that move before, but uh, I, I like the drive, the, 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 like the pile drive into the ground. Although this guy's got good mechanics too. Good. Oh, there's John Kibler. And there's some clown with a flat top. Wow. What's going on with your moss? I know. That's uh, John Kibler. That was, a, oh, Eric Gregg. He had a good strike call. <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, this, from this week in baseball. Famous yeah, Mark Grant. Yeah, but this was a pregame show. Dave Campbell was doing Pottery TV and radio, and we were in Montreal. You can see the big ooh in the background. And he said, hey, let's do a pregame show of you doing your umpire impressions. I said, ah, okay. And Frank Pulley and a strike three here. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, big John McSherry. Love John McSherry. Watch, he's just simple above the head. Watch, John. <laughs> uh, look, at that's a 28 waist, too, or Silla looking at you. Wow. Sorry about it. And this is Dutch Brennert, the very vocal umpire. Every called strike. I mean, he let everybody wow. know. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, we're on a loop. That's John Kibler. Yeah. Okay, enough already. Right. <laughs> Looking good, though. Andy Hawkins on the mound. Are we going to see this again? Really? Hey, it's uh, up to Cole, not me. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Uh, couldn't throw strikes, couldn't get people out, but oh yeah, I can do umpires. That's funny, funny. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's a great uh, mimic. Good mimic a successful big league pitcher, but he could do the umpires. Terrible. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, that's that's great stuff. 
All right. Uh, as mentioned, uh, KBO is blown up, obviously. We're talking about it every single day. Uh, and the guy whose website is kind of at the center of it all is Dan Kurtz. Very interesting story in terms of his life, how he ended up to be such a big baseball fan. He grew up in Pennsylvania. You'll hear his story in just a moment. And he was nice enough to join us. Remember the website, mykbo.net. Well, Dan, this is cool, man. It's uh, it's a little bit of a thrill for us to have you on. Certainly, uh, your site has been a go-to resource for a lot of people in the baseball world just in the last few weeks. What has this been like for you with the KBO exploding here in the U.S.? It's been a whirlwind. It's been overwhelming. It's been surreal. The fact that I, as a KBO baseball fan, has been able to jump down on my couch, turn on the TV, West Coast time, 10 o'clock for some of the weekend games, and I'm able to watch KBO on ESPN. My mind is blown. I still, when I say that out loud, I'm still like, is this a dream? Can this be real? So, I mean, the one thing, obviously the pandemic, COVID-19 all over the world of the one lone bright spot for me has been the KBO, you know, coming into America and people are starting to pick their own team and, you know, get on the bandwagon. So I think this is great for the league. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you became a baseball fan, uh, what team you follow, that kind of stuff. I know you live in Washington state now, but that, that's not where you grew up, right? No, you're correct. I was adopted from South Korea when I was four months old. I returned to South Korea when I was 19 years old, heard about the first, you know, that they had a pro baseball league over there on a tour, loved my tour there. So I decided I'm studying abroad here the next year. So in the year 2000, I studied for one year. That's when I got to my first Korean baseball game. And ever since then, it's been this, you know, this, I made the site because I had so much fun at that first baseball game because the experience was so intense. So just lot different than the major leagues. And so I grew up my, uh, grew up my teenage years and my younger years in central Pennsylvania, Lancaster County. And so I grew up a Philadelphia Phillies fan. So I went to uh, the vet. I went to veteran stadium a lot. I went to a lot of Reading Phillies games and yes, major league baseball games are fun. They're a blast. But when you go to a KBO game, it's just a totally different experience in a, in a, just a different way. Not that it's better. It's just something that you don't expect from a baseball game. And that's what got me when I got to my first baseball game in Korea. And I'm just like, this is like a rock concert going on in the stands, but yet they're still playing baseball down below me. And this is awesome. And I, you come out with your ears ringing and you're like, I came out and going, I got to find out more about this, you know, baseball league. I got to find out more about these teams, more about these players. And so that's what led me to start my site because I'm still learning to this day, just learning more about the league, learning about the history, learning about the players. So I'm trying to put my Korean language skills, which are still very elementary to use as I learn more about, you know, the KBO. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the fans because to me, that's like really the only major disappointment of this whole thing is we as Americans who weren't as familiar with the league before, uh, you know, okay, hey, we knew somebody went over there and pitched for a couple of years, that kind of stuff, but I hadn't really watched the games or anything. We're watching the games. We're learning the baseball. We're learning the players. We're learning the teams and the cities and the uniforms and the mascots. Vic and Dory are phenomenal for the Wiz and, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But we aren't getting the experience of the fans and the energy of the ballpark because that's something that everybody who has spent time there comes back talking about. And you just called it a rock concert. What what are we missing? Paint us the picture, if you can, of if things were normal and we were sitting in a game at Suwon Stadium. What what would it be like on a normal night? That the the closest that I can come to trying to put this in quote American sports terms is like going to a large scale college football game. So like when you go to a baseball game there, you walk out of the like I take the subway every everywhere over there. You walk out of the subway. And you, generally, when you go to a ballpark, you hear the buzz, you hear the atmosphere. It just seems 
uh, when you go to a KBO game, it's a little more heightened. The smells are a little bit different. They um, just everything around the stadium is just loud. And then you enter the stadium. The tickets are not, you know, at the major league prices yet. They're still they're they're, they're going up every year. But you know, good value. You walk into the stadium, and as soon as the first pitch is played, the fans don't. Some of them don't sit down. They don't stop cheering. They don't stop singing. And it does not matter if your team is winning by 10 and it's the ninth inning or your team is losing by 10. The fans will stay there. They don't leave early. They're, they're on their feet. They're clapping. If you just score your first run of the game, they're standing. And, and if you were just walking into the game, you'd be like, is this team winning because of the way the fans are? And the way the fans are situated over there is – uh, you, the home team, if you're cheering for the home team, you generally sit on the first base side. And then if you're cheering for the visiting team, you will sit on the third base side. So there is always then the back and forth between the fans. And it, it's just leaves for a very fun experience from a fan perspective. And when I talk to some of the players, they say they're truly missing that uh, experience. Not that they're not focusing, but when it's so dead quiet and you can hear every little sound, every little, you know, crack of the bat, every little, you know, the ball movement and everything and chatter. They're just like every two minutes, we're just used to hearing people screaming and yelling and to have that not there. It's just been, you know, a bit of a disappointment for the players on the field. And for me as a fan, it's just totally different watching a game here on TV. Yeah. It gives us perhaps a little bit of a preview of what we have in store uh, for North American sports uh, when they return, whenever that might end up being Dan Kurtz runs the, uh, the must use uh, mykbo.net talking about the KBO Korean baseball organization with him. From an injury standpoint here, that seems to be a lot of the the Twitter buzz, I think, the last couple of days. As someone who's followed the league a lot more closely, obviously, what are we seeing so far in 2020 from an injury standpoint as compared to recent seasons? I I, I don't recall so many of the star players or the bigger name players getting hurt so early, even in the spring. And I'm going to attribute that to they had uh, the KBO teams had spring training all over the world. They they come to Arizona, they come to Florida and they were doing that in February. And then they were to return in. The plan was to return to Korea in March and then in the middle of the March, they were going to start their uh, preseason games. Well, of course, COVID-19 pushed that all back. So not only did they stop training, uh, you know, they all had to just shut everything down. And then Korea, they they flattened the curve and they were able to get the, you know, the players to get into their own stadiums and to work out with each other and do inter-squad games. But it still wasn't the same because they literally had, you know, spring training 2.0. And so what I'm hearing from people over in Korea and that are, have been following the league for a while or that just it's just because of that shutdown, it's just the players are not back to their playing shape that they would have been had they come out right in beginning of March or some, or the end of March, beginning of April when, when the season was scheduled to begin. So put that into um, the, you know, put that down. And then there are players trying to, I don't know if the, knowing that the eyes of ESPN in America are on them, maybe guys are going a little bit harder, which is great, which I thought would, would happen would be really good for them. But I mean, it's unfortunate because uh, for the key home heroes, Kim Ha Sung, he's, he's possibly an MLB prospect as well. He just, he just hurt his foot or his ankle uh, last night and he's possibly out for a couple of weeks, which is, you know, disappointment for his team and then disappointment for, disappointment for him personally, because, you know, less time to put on the screen for major league scouts to watch him. Yeah, uh, that's uh, a couple of things we've been hearing as well as we continue to talk about it. And I think the injury thing in particular is something to keep in mind and keep a very close eye on if MLB is able to put their plan in place, uh, you know, to restart this season after spring training 2.0. You got to be careful with all that kind of thing, certainly. And 
players and the trainers, uh, I'm sure, are well aware. It's cool. You mentioned that, you know, the teams would come to the U.S. to train and do their spring training. There's actually at the Padres Spring Training Stadium in Peoria, Arizona, an NC Dinos jersey hanging on the wall as you make your way up to the press box uh, because they've trained there. So it's funny because I walked by it a thousand times in the last few years and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, KBO team. And, and now it, it seems like a much more familiar artifact. Um, obviously, couldn't have you on and, and not ask you about our whiz. Uh, because uh, as I was uh, telling you off air, we've become big whiz fans on, on this show. Uh, so 14 games in, they had the rough start. They blew all those leads, kind of seem to have righted the ship a little bit right now. Uh, what's your take on the whiz? Not just the, the 14 games, but, you know, almost getting to 500 last year, clearly their most successful season since they came into the league. Did we choose wisely in, in terms of looking for a team on the rise? You did. They, they are the, what? They're not the favorite to do, uh, but the way they ended last year, they ended 500. They're an expansion team. So they're one of the newer teams in the K, the newest team in the KBO to, um, and so they have not ever made the playoffs. They've always, for the uh, first couple of years, they finished in last place. I mean, they just didn't have the talent there. Now they have a great amount of talent spread among their young, the young players that they have, but they also have some uh, veteran players and older guys that can help balance out that lineup. So they had a rough start to this season, which I did not expect them to have that rough a start. And if you've been watching KBO games, the, the talent pool is a little thin at the bullpen. So that goes throughout all 10 teams. And it just so happened to be, it shined on KT with his bullpen the first week. Uh, Dayun Ri, former Cub prospect, that was that was his unfortunate week there. I think he's going to get it back together. He was very good last year for the team. He is um, solid in their bullpen. So it just they have a lot of young arms in that pen as well. They have a lot of young young arms in the rotation, but they have some veteran guys then like their import players. When you are a foreign player in the KBO, uh, there's there's only 30 of you for all 10 teams. And when you literally walk off that plane, you're expected to be an all-star. So some of the guys that have been in, you know, triple A that, you know, there's like Mel Rojas jr. Hasn't appeared in a uh, major league baseball game. From my understanding, he, you know, the highest got to triple A. And so, for him to step off the plane all of a sudden being like, you're the star, we're basing this team around you and your production. And then like the stadium, just, you know, there's just pictures of him outside the stadium. I mean, I've heard players that just walk off that plane and go, wow, these expectations are really high and I better make sure that I live up to that. And so it, it, it's a, it's new, it's new to them and it's new to the Korean players there because they got to get that repertoire and, and camaraderie between each other going right away. And then to have that shutdown in March it, it's going to take a little while, but I think you guys picked well because I think I have the Wiz pushing for a playoff spot this year. And my 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 predictions, unfortunately, they're you can't take them to the bank. I would not take them to the bank if I were you. But I have the Wiz, and I think many other pundits, the actual people that get paid to do that, have them as the the dark horse in in, in the playoff race. And so they, if they can get it together in the next couple of weeks, they could be pushing. You know, they could be pushing some of the top teams uh, for for these not just a wild card, but for the solid, you know, fourth place, even third place finish, which is huge the way that the KBO playoffs are set up. That, that was the last thing I wanted to ask you about. I, I find the format of the playoffs fascinating. I might get some of the details wrong here, but basically the first place team gets a buy all the way to the finals. Yes. And then everybody else sort of battles it out underneath that. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago on our show because MLB could be with an expansion of the playoffs for the first time heading to a bye in the postseason. And with pitching rotations and the way that lines up, I think that's something a lot of people are fearful of. Like, could it actually be a disadvantage to get a bye? Has that ever been talked about in Korea that, hey, there's a, almost a competitive disadvantage for that team that has to wait around for a couple of weeks? Or, or is it something that's just overblown because we've never done it before here? 
No, it, it it's it's a huge disadvantage. But actually, the team that actually sits around for a while, of course, that they, they get like they have to wait three and a half weeks sometimes. So yeah. we talk about here in the World Series, like, oh no, they got to wait like five days. You win first place, you're waiting for the wild card game, the next series, then the semifinals, and then it's your time to you know all of a sudden go 100% again. And so there's that waiting time. And unfortunately, they, they do come out rusty sometimes in uh, in the past Korean series. Uh, but I think the percentage is that the, a lot of the time, the first place team that makes that automatic berth to the Korean series ends up winning the series. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it does actually balance in their favor. It's just that the uh, the rust in the very beginning, the first couple of games is definitely shown and definitely um, is a detriment to that to that team until they get it together. And then they're like, at least they're all healthy. So that's usually the, the, the huge benefit to that layoff. There is some freshness there, if not rustiness also. Dan Kurtz, MyKBO.net on Twitter, at MyKBO. This was cool, man. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for all the hard work you're putting into that side. I know it's not a full-time job or anything like that, but you, you treat it as one. And uh, and those of us who have been following this league for the last few weeks are, are better for it. Uh, like I said, a thrill to have you on here. Appreciate you us, uh, gracing us with some knowledge. And uh, continue to enjoy these games and, and hope you can get to, uh, I don't know, like a, a Mariner-Philly game at some point soon uh, at home. Yes, that was that. They were supposed to come up here in, on July Fourth weekend, but not happening anymore. But I'll satisfy that by watching some KBO on the ESPN. So I hope everybody that continues watching the the league and then checks it out in October, November during the playoff push. It'll be a fun time. Thank you to Dan Kurtz, mykbo.net, for taking some time on our Friar FaceTime earlier today. Bring back Don and Mud. I'm fascinated by all of it, guys. I thought he he made some really interesting points as you kind of discuss uh, the KBO now as compared to the last few years, thing I had no idea about is if you're that quad a guy or that triple a guy that signs a contract over there, you get off the plane and they're like, well, we're building our entire team around you. Uh, that's, that's a heck of a piece of pressure mud to put on a guy who maybe has never made it to the big leagues before, as is the case with Roas. I, I can speak from experience. Cause I went yeah. to Taiwan. It's not as big as in, in Korea, but uh, same type of deal. And they had a rotating roster in Taiwan. It's like they played on the weekends, Thursday through Sunday, and uh, so you would work out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but it would be a rotating roster. So they would come up to me and say, hey, you pitched whatever. We, we got another pitcher we're going to have on the roster. You're off this week. So you got to deal with that. That's It's different. You know, you want to be part of the team. You want to be used maybe out of the bullpen or maybe if you're a starter, they want to, you know, have you go every other week, whatever the case may be. But I love the whole deal. I love the electricity of it. The fans getting into it. I love how it's almost like a high school game to where. The home team, their fans are sitting behind their dugout. The visiting team, they're sitting behind their dugout. So maybe you get some uh, cheering matches going on there. And uh, it, it was electric in Taiwan. I had a blast. I wanted to be one of the guys. And, you know, I, I told myself I'm going to be in the best shape. I know, Don, you might find this hard to believe. But, you know, they, they we worked out, I mean, tireless. I mean, all the time. I threw 20 minutes in the bullpen. I thought I was done. They said, no, no, you're going out to throw live BP now. And I'm like, Really? Is there going to be a surgeon in the clubhouse to take care of my elbow and shoulder after all this? But that that's just the way they did it right uh, back there. And um, I, I'm just a big fan of it. I love the, the KBO and getting to see baseball in general. What, what is the equivalent, do you think, uh, in the United States? Are we talking probably, double, uh, double Probably uh, in between double, triple A maybe. Maybe, okay. yeah. more, maybe more triple A-ish. Yeah, that's what we've asked a lot of people, and that is pretty consistently the answer we get is double A plus. Um, you know, kind of seems to be what what a lot of people are saying, and it's it's a great brand of baseball. I thought you know we yeah. booked Jambi on last week, and and he went so far as to say he thinks it's the brand of baseball MLB should aspire to. Um, he sort of compared it Japan, Korea, and MLB, and he said in Japan it's all small ball, nobody hits home runs, there's bunting like crazy. Uh, MLB, we know what it is. It's a lot of the home runs, a lot of swing and miss. 
a lot of walks and a lot of strikeouts. He said, KBO, you get the home runs that you have in MLB, but without the strikeouts and the walks, there's a lot more balls in play. And he goes, hey, that's that's what you know we should all be wanting uh, MLB to look like. But it really is a, a good brand of baseball, and it's a lot of fun. That injury thing is another thing to keep a really close eye on uh, because, again, we don't know how these guys' bodies don are going to react if MLB and the players are able to pull this plan off. They've never really had that sort of roller coaster of readiness uh, in terms of trying to get their bodies set for the season. Um, and as much as we say, hey, we're, we're closely watching how the KBO is going to do attendance, I, I'm sure MLB and the teams are watching that really closely as well. Yeah, and I think the expanded roster has a lot to do yeah. with that. The taxi squad they're talking about having, you know, 25 guys or whatever it is, uh, working out, ready to come up and join the team. Uh, in lieu of having minor league baseball, you have those guys probably in Peoria, I would imagine, working out, ready to go should you need them. Uh, so, you, you, I mean, you have enough of a, a pool where if you do have injuries or uh, with a expanded roster, especially especially with the pitchers, they don't have to go as deeply into games as starters yet uh, until they ramp themselves up because, you know, whatever the spring training 2.0 is going to be, obviously it's going to be shorter than the five or six weeks that you're used to during spring training for pitchers. So probably in the neighborhood of three weeks. So does that mean instead of being six innings ready, you're only three innings ready to start when things get rolling in July, if that happens, probably. Uh, And then you're going to have more pitching. But I, I think looking at all this pitching stuff, this is really is in the advantage of the San Diego Padres this year because of the length of that bullpen and how good that bullpen is going to be. I think that this could work out very well for San Diego if this all happens. Yeah, I'm right there with you. We've said that a bunch. I mean, it, it's definitely like on the table for the Padres. If, it, if it's going to look this way, uh, the roster is there in terms of guys who have been in the big leagues and even some guys who are maybe coming at, at the minor league level in a normal year. They could be uh, used certainly this year. Uh, last night on Fox Sports San Diego, replay of the clinching game uh, for the NL West against the Dodgers. The great comeback in 98. Uh, LA had the 7-0 league. Qualcomm was electric. Uh, Mud, you were actually on the show yesterday, and we were talking about how you served as the field reporter for that mm-hmm. game. So you got to be really down there, sense all the energy, feel the whole thing. Uh, I have not seen this clip yet, but they tell me uh, that they dug up some post-game footage of you doing interviews really? in the clubhouse. Uh, after that game, uh, I guess for Channel 4 back in the day. So here we go. I haven't seen this yet. Kevin Brown joining us right there. Like I said, everybody's having a good time. Uh, they're getting doused with champagne. <laughs> I got a little bit. Let's see if we can grab somebody else. Mark Langston! Mark Langston! Langston! Mark Langston, the veteran left-hander, going to come on over and join us. Langley, I think uh, Mark Langson. Okay, let's go to Jane Mitchell down on the field. Jane. <laughs> hey, that's why the IFB's there, man. You got hey, live TV. You got to make an adjustment. It didn't go so well. No, he wanted no part. He wanted no part of me. No, nobody nope. did. Oh, that's that's. They wanted no part of the Quattro. I, I've been there. I've been there for uh, fact three world series i've done uh the, that type of interview it's not easy it's because not. they're celebrating you know sure. and they don't want to celebrate with you you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean they want to celebrate with their teammates and yeah. they, you know and your job there is to talk to everybody and and get their you know that you actually you're pulling them away from the pile of celebration to yeah. come talk to you not likely as we saw in that clip Gosh, that's I very think, funny though i think kevin brown eventually did Join me for an interview. I don't know whether Mark Langston, because for Mark Langston, it was his first, you know, that was the winning the division, but that was the first time for the veteran 
to go to the World Series in his career, all those years that he was with the Mariners and the Angels. And uh, so the first time for Mark Langston, which was pretty cool. That's very funny. Uh, it's a good comment. <laughs> you lied, though. You said we just talked to Kevin Brown, and we didn't really. He might have said hello to you or something on the way by. But uh, no, we, didn't, we, didn't get, we did get Kevin Brown. He was a comedian. Eventually, but you said in the beginning of that clip, he said, oh, we talked with Kevin Brown. And they're like, really? Well, we didn't see it on TV. <laughs> so they, 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 <laughs> they didn't. You really? Or you just, <laughs> but he said hi or something on the way by? That was a great night, though. Down 7 nothing. Very disappointing. I was in the dugout, and I was like, oh, really? We're going to have to wait till tomorrow night? And they staged the comeback, and you could the crowd got into it. It was it was electric. It was fascinating that night. That's really cool. Great stuff to do. Uh, so that game was on Fox Sports San Diego last night. On this date, uh, May twenty first, nineteen seventy seven, the longest game in Padre history. Still the longest game in Padre history. Twenty one innings uh, in Montreal against the Expos. Eventually, an eleven eight win. Merv Redmond hit a three run homer in the top of the 21st uh, that, that sealed the deal. My favorite thing looking back at the box score from this, guys, is that uh, Rick Sawyer got the win. He was the winning pitcher after eight innings of relief. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. That, that is oof, incredible. That's, wow. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, so, at some point, obviously, somebody's got to wear it, you know, and go out there and just kind of eat up as many innings as possible. Eight scoreless innings of relief guy didn't pitch for another week and a half <laughs> probably yeah seriously First of all, because not used to it, but there's always there's always that one guy in the bullpen that um you know you, you're gonna need multiple and especially in a game like that because everybody else is spent and uh, i tell you what that that's a game you better win because it could take its toll and we've witnessed this and don you have and jesse you have as well and that could, that could that's right for a week or two that that can affect the ball club no question about it i thought the potters had a 22 in a game against the rockies I did that uh, they might have maybe the five hours, 33 minutes is makes it the longest. Not by okay, uh, this one was six hours plus. Really? Okay. There yeah. you go. You got it. Okay. So the second longest game, maybe it was the longest to date. Maybe I read that wrong on the, uh, on the paper this morning, but either yeah, way, either way, it's cool. 21 innings, five hours, uh, 33 minutes. Uh, real quick. One other on this date, just last year. Uh, this was one of the most incredible things. I think any of us ever saw. Uh, I, I don't know what to say other than the purple sky game. Uh, mm. May 21st of last year. You guys obviously were both there as well. I mean, Don, it was just like a remarkable thing. That was cool. I remember that was unbelievable, actually. I mean, it, you know, there have been some pretty amazing skies going on, but that one really stuck out just because I don't remember another purple one, but a, a lot of great sunsets during the summer at Petco Park. Remember that other one we had? It was almost like a, uh, gosh, it was almost red, orange. Yeah, I already read. Yeah, but every every yeah. time I see that purple one, I think of, I mean, you know, I think of Prince, Purple Rain, and uh, it was almost like a watercolor. It was such. A, you're right, Don and Jesse. We get some beautiful sunsets uh, with that. You know, the the sun setting to the west, and then the way the clouds are. That that's a great shot right there, Matt. Yeah, Strong. that's yeah. fascinating. Really cool. Really, really cool. Uh, so anyway, that was uh, Hosmer, by the way. Big two-run homer in the sixth was the difference. A 3-2 win over the Diamondbacks. All right, it is uh, it is our Friar fan spotlight time now. We've been doing this on our last show of the week. It's funny because we taped this interview, and I realized after the fact, I said on Fridays we do the Friar fan spotlight. It is not Friday. It is Thursday. It just feels like Friday because it's uh, the quarantine, and it's our last show of the week. So I, I apologize in advance for that. I don't want to cause any confusion. It is Thursday. Uh, I had an opportunity to sit down and chat with uh, Josh Cox, who's all over Padres Twitter. Uh, his wife, Carrie, also they go to a bunch of games and get a little bit more insight into how they became Friar Faithful. 
Josh and Carrie, thank you both uh, for being part of our uh, Friar Fan Spotlight on this Friday. Friday Friar Fan Spotlight. Say it three times fast. Uh, Josh, uh, we see all of our social media. We see at the ballpark all the time. Uh, tell us, uh, both you guys, please, uh, your backgrounds in terms of how you became such big Padre fans and uh, and what it means to you. Clearly, the outfits tell us something, but fill in the details. Yeah, there was a big debate, Jesse. I was like, do we, do we wear the same do we wear the same jersey? Do I do I go with the old school T-shirt? Like, what am I doing, right? Um, no, thanks for having us. It, it's an honor. We love our Padres. And for me, it started off uh, really at a young age. My dad had season tickets uh, over at the Murph uh, by first base, which is where we have our seats now. And uh, it he would take us out to Yuma. Back then, that's where spring training was at. And so we'd go every year. And uh, really, when I, I was born in 75, so when the 84 season rolled around, we, I was really starting to understand the game and what it was about. And I just, I was at those games and was actually in the park when uh, Garvey hit that home run uh, in game four uh, of the NLCS and uh, took that Lee Smith fastball over the, over the wall and right center. And uh, just the electricity there and, and the excitement, uh, I was hooked. I was hooked at a young age. Carrie. Josh taught me everything there is to know about the Padres, and he definitely indoctrinated me into the Friar Faithful and what it what it means in the San Diego um, sports community. And it's been it's been really fun learning. And although I probably annoy him when I sit next to him at games, going, "So wait, what does that mean? What is the pitcher doing now?" And he, he's very very patient with me. Well, that's an important part of teaching the game. What, what about uh, kids? I, I understand you guys have kids. What's it been like sort of uh, getting them into, into the world of baseball and getting them to the ballpark? It, it's been cool. Our two oldest sons, they both play Little League and just get them out to spring training. We, we go out there every every year. My best buddy lives out there uh, in, in the greater Phoenix area, and his birthday's in early March. So we kind of coincide our trip out there to hang with him and bring the family to the park there and then obviously get them to Petco and uh, particularly since they started playing baseball, it's been really neat just to explain explain everything that's going on with the batter stepping out of the box and getting the signs from the third base coach. And our view is 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 right in line with the pitcher's mound and first base. So when you see him looking over the shoulder and checking the runner and and pitching from the stretch and explaining all the all the intricacies to them uh, all up and down, it's uh, it's pretty cool. And particularly as as they've begun to really understand the game and understand how difficult it is to hit a round ball with a round bat when you got a pitcher up there trying to throw the round ball, pass the round bat, and they they understand uh, the game and they're they're continuing to learn and it's a whole lot of fun for sure. I'm sitting here smiling because I'm envisioning myself and my dad when I was a kid around that same age. It's something I know everybody watching can relate to in some way, shape, or form, whether it was mom or dad or an older brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whatever. Uh, Carrie, for you, what's the, what's the best part of going to the games at Petco? What do you enjoy the most? Well, I, I love it when just Josh and I go and it's like a date night and we can kind of cut loose and really enjoy ourselves and we get to socialize with everyone. And we're friends with the other season ticket holders around us in our in our area. So it's fun to go to the games and you know say hi to Mike and and Barb and just see see everyone who's there. That's a lot of fun. And then when we were able to take the kids with us. It's usually really cool. They'll, they'll bring a, a glove. Now there's the nets where we, we used to be able to catch uh, balls after they throw infield. But now that there's the protective netting, we just will bring our gloves in case something happens and they'll play catch over in the park at the park. And um, I love it when they have an opportunity to run the bases, although our, our kids are a big fan of the concessions. They usually want a big thing of popcorn. 
and or some cotton candy. Those are like the, okay, if you guys can stay here for seven innings quietly, we can do some cotton candy. No, the ballpark staples. Those are great. About how many games, Josh, do you guys uh, get to over the course of a season on a good year, I guess? Yeah, so we we're, we have a full season. And last year, uh, including other ballparks, I was at 44 games. Um, so uh, try try and get to most, you know. And a lot a lot of times I'll, I'll just do a giveaway on Padres Twitter. Or I have a lot of friends that live in the downtown area or buddies uh, that we've met through Padres Twitter and our fourth inning meetings, meetups that we do every game there. Uh, try and try and uh, help the community out a little bit. And uh, I do love, I do love going to the games and I love the day games. I like the night games, uh, day games. Sometimes I'm doing some emails in between innings and whatnot, but uh, just love being around the gas lamp, being around Petco. And uh, really there's, there's no other park like it. Uh, it's, it's, it's the best in the world. Uh, I'm biased, but uh, I, I like to think I'm relatively objective too. And uh, I just, I just love everything that Petco has to offer. Yeah, we feel uh, the very same way. How many places have you been now to see a major league game? How many parks? What are you up to? Yeah, so I was I was going through it the other day, and gosh, I I should I should know the number, but we were counting old stadiums and new stadiums. And my my best buddy Vince Clark, his older brother Tony, is the head of the MLBPA. So when when he was when we were in college, we followed him around for two weeks in the minors and we just slept on his floor and we, we had my Toyota truck and we just followed the team bus and we were in, we were in Toledo and we were up in Ottawa and then we were in Syracuse for Syracuse chiefs. Carlos Delgado was playing there at the time, Toronto affiliate. So I, I, I have a whole slew of minor league parks. Uh, and I think I'm missing maybe, maybe four or five of, of the big league parks now. That's pretty remarkable. Carrie, I'm guessing uh, this was before you were in the picture when he was sleeping on the floor of uh, bad minor league hotel rooms. <laughs> yes, I'm like, I can only imagine the hotels they stayed at and what was on the floor in those rooms. Nah, it's fine. We were 19. It was like, you yeah. didn't even you care. Do. It's for the yeah. love of the game. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, we did uh, my junior year of college. We did like a spring training trip uh, in Florida. We drove to like, you know, it was like eight games in six days, something like that. Wow. Same thing. Very gross. A lot of fast food and bad sleeping arrangements. We buried the lead here a little bit talking uh, about Josh, a world-class athlete and runner. Let me, let me ask you this question. How on earth does a human being run a 50K? That's my question to you. Yeah, well, you know, it's a fair question. I grew up playing soccer, and it's just kind of, you know, I, I think I would have been a sprinter if I could have been competitive uh, enough. But, you know, in, in high school, ran the mile, and then in college, you're, you're like, okay, well, we'll move up to the 5K and then the 10K and then – Eventually, in, in 99, I ran my first marathon and qualified for the Olympic trials, and uh, I was youngest qualifier in the U.S. At, at Rock and Roll San Diego as home course and the whole thing, and I just kind of became a marathoner, and then 50K uh, was was a unique opportunity. I, I love the ultra stuff and uh, was able to do that two times, and uh, it's it's fun. It's 31 miles, uh, and you know now looking at it, because I've, I've been retired for, for a handful of years since uh, 2012, really. Uh, now looking at it, I understand how people viewed me. And it's like, that's just sounds silly and actually a little dumb for you to want to run that far. But at the time it was like, well, of course, I'll, I would love to try a 50 K. It's a, uh, it's a remarkable feat. How much of it is mental? What percent running that kind of distance? Well, obviously you have to have some God given gifts, you know, and where, where you're, you're, you have the aerobic capacity and, and the legs and the lungs to do it. But it's so much mental and that's, that's the beauty of, of running too. It's, it's you versus you, you know, you have your competitors, but it, you can make the pain go away at any time. All, all you have to do is slow down. And so it's really uh, so much of it is mental. I would say that at, at the pro level, 
um, that's what separates the great ones from from everybody else, you know. And uh, I I was fortunate to have a long career, but now I'm an agent. I get to work with with a lot of these top athletes uh, in in the U.S. at the marathon distance and in track. And uh, you know, seeing their approach and their mental approach, a lot of them do have sports psychologists and. Just being in the right frame of mind on race day, uh, that's that's what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls. Yeah, it's a remarkable accomplishment. And then to be able to do it at the level you did is something that's almost hard to fathom. Carrie, first game back at Petco for, for your family, whenever that may be, the first thing you want to do is what? Oh, man, I, I, I'm, I will be there as soon as the gates open. I'm hoping to catch, you know, BP if we can or, you know, just get there. I, I can't wait for everything, for all the pomp and circumstance, the national anthem, when they introduce the players and just to see all of our friends near our our seats, the season tickets. And I'm, I always am excited to check out the new restaurants and Petco Park is always updating with different restaurants and venues and exciting things. I'm excited to see what changes have been made in the off season. And uh, yeah, probably just the community, just to be with everyone, give everyone hugs again and see everyone during the fourth inning meetups. Awesome. Uh, Carrie Cox, Josh Cox, thank you guys so much for the time. Our Friar fan spotlight. Wonderful to actually be able to speak to you face to face uh, as opposed to social media, Josh. Appreciate you guys taking some time for us and glad you're doing all right and staying healthy and hope to see you at the ballpark sooner rather than later. You got it, Jesse. Thanks so much. All right. Very nice. Uh, Kerry Cox and Josh Cox, our Friar fan spotlight. Cool people uh, and huge Padre fans. Bring Don and Mud back in. Uh, Uh, I was was hoping no Don, but go ahead, Jeff. (laughs) When he, Don, when he mentioned going to that game in Syracuse, uh, in 2000, you would have been on that circuit at that time, right? Yes, I would have. And uh, the places he mentioned are all places <laughs> I've been. Everything he said to Syracuse, Toledo, and I'm like, ah, I have bad memories. Like my stomach was just, ah, oh my goodness. Yes, it, I remember it all. It makes me kind of nauseous, uh, to be told. But yes, no, I spent uh, five years in that league. Uh, it's actually a very good league, the International League. And uh, I'm, I was there when Tony Clark was there. So he was uh, playing first base every day for the Toledo Mud Hens at the time. And, uh, yeah, I spent uh, a lot of time in that league, too much time in that league. Yeah, uh, distant memory uh, now, certainly. All right, when you guys are here, of course, food comes up somewhat regularly. Uh, before we get to a, a special video of the two of you trying to do some uh, cooking, which I can't wait for, uh, we have our open for takeout. This is pretty cool, different Padre uh, restaurant partner. Uh, every week has been delivering something tasty to a Padre fan. Open for takeout, powered by Bud Light. And this week's restaurant, a favorite of all three of ours, Bona Forchetta, uh, sent something uh, to Padre fan Brandon, and he was able to take home that SD pizza. Don, was it was it 2018 at Petco when I think the three of us ate pizza from Bona Forchetta at Petco like probably three times a homestand? Yes, I believe that was the case, no doubt. It was uh, not last season, but the season before, and I think it was their first season in the ballpark. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that was huge, and that uh, the unbelievable pizza, really, really good. All right, that's open for takeout, powered by Bud Light. Yeah, it's a it's a favorite of all of ours, uh, for sure. Okay, so uh, Barrio Dog, uh, another delicious uh, local eatery, uh, Mud, explain to me what happened. I haven't seen this either. They they sent you some stuff and you got to put it together. Is that basically it? Sent us some food and uh, had the unboxing. And let me just tell you, bacon makes everything better. I was so <laughs> impressed with Barrio Dog. Traditionally, you know, mustard on your hot dog, maybe some onions. And uh, sometimes I put ketchup on just for, I know you're not supposed to do that, but sometimes I put ketchup on. But Don, we had so many ingredients to try to make this. I mean, the, it was so good. Yeah. First of all, you mentioned the bacon. I mean, it is wrapped. It's wrapped in bacon. We'll start there. 
but really, I mean, the, the amount of ingredients they sent you for toppings, mm. I mean, it's like 15 or something. It yeah. was, and they're all really, really good. All right. So I think again, we have video of uh, Donatangelo and Mudcat putting together their barrio dogs. Welcome to Donatangelo's Coronado. I am Donatangelo, although I am not cooking tonight for myself. Barrio Dog was kind enough to send along some great hot dogs tonight, and I am fired up to try this stuff. Greetings, Fire Faithful. Mark Green here. Welcome to El Doble Ancho, aka the Double White. Cook some hot dogs tonight. I'm hungry. You're hungry. If you're a pottery fan, that's great. If you're a foodie like me, let's dig in. So let's get prepared for Barrio Dog. So Barrio Dog sent four boxes of stuff to go on these hot dogs. Well, let's begin with the hot dogs themselves. How about this? They are wrapped in bacon, pretty wrapped in bacon, and they're good-sized dogs as well. And it's pretty, pretty nice right now. Buns right here. Dogs. Dog. Dogs. Anyway, and then we have here Pueblito. Looks like some toppings here and more toppings here. Solito. So stay tuned. We're getting ready. All right, so I elected to go cast iron skillet here uh, because of the bacon. And so far, we're doing pretty good. And the nice thing about this, wrapped in bacon. Bacon makes everything better. Uno perro, dos perro. All right, hot side coming together here. The bacon is getting browned nicely. And here's what I'm going to do with the buns. I'm going to soften them up a little bit later on the grill here. Maybe post them a little bit. All right, these are ready now to be transported to their new home. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Put back here, take up the bun. Ooh, yeah, ooh, very nice. Uh, here's the beauty of this. Look at all these ingredients here. We got everything from your traditional ketchup, mustard, onions. We've got Thousand Island, we've got cayenne, we've got tomatoes, mayo, sour cream, pomegranate. We've got everything. Oh, look right here. Little mini uh, cheesecake for after dessert. Finished product. Good to go. Ready to eat. Thank you, Barrio Dog. Okay, we're going traditional right here with the bacon hot dog. You know, I'm gonna kinda of go open face. Ketchup, mustard, onions, tomatoes. This looks really good. So open face, because it is kinda of large here. That's a big dog. Thank Barrio Dog enough. The ingredients are great, and that's the beauty of this hot dog. You just don't have to dress it up like a traditional ballpark hot dog. Ketchup, mustard, onions, whatever. You can put a lot of these ingredients on, and it makes it taste great, especially with the bacon. So, I like this dog. Hey, dog. What do you think about this dog? You like it, Butter? Thanks, Barrio Dog. You're the best. Not bad, not bad. Very nicely done. I think on presentation, which matters, Don probably gets the edge, but Mud, yours, yours look delicious too. Oh, Don, hands down. I mean, the apron, oh my gosh. That was outstanding. <laughs> it comes with the restaurant. Uh, and I like, you know, he's he's a cook, and, and I respect it. He even 
identified the cast iron skillet, which is that's big league. But you went with the two, but it was the grilled kind, the grill kind, which is good. Yeah. I was thinking about doing that for the marks, but then the whole bacon thing, I wanted the bacon to be cooked um, evenly all the way across, and that may not do that with the grill. That's why I went with the flat cast iron grill. Duly noted. I'll remember that next yeah. time. Yeah, you want to go skillet, you know, flat top on on something like that, certainly. Uh, okay. Uh, always a treat. Yeah. Emer- okay, Emerald. <laughs> <laughs> Older reference. <laughs> okay, um, Rachel Ray. <laughs> Not quite. Keep going. Hey, uh, um, these guys got Friar Friday tomorrow, the virtual game uh, at Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. You don't want to miss that. Uh, 5.30 p.m. on those uh, platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, by the way, a lot of people are either messaging us during the show or sending me messages on Twitter. They don't like the lineups. Uh, who makes the lineups for these games? Can you blame somebody? I think it's a you know, good question. Shannon Landers. I'll just say it. Okay. Cole Gallagher. Yeah. I, Do you know I, I what Franchi know. is in the lineup tomorrow? No. Oof. We don't know. You're going to have some upset Cordero fans. Oh, I saw a lineup today for tomorrow. It's not in the lineup. I haven't gotten it yet. Yep, I got it. Did you? Not I'll, in the check lineup. My, I'll check my email. Yeah, check your email. It is sent. Joey Lucchese against Garrett Cole, though. We yeah. can tell you that. From the Bronx. In the Bronx. I'm excited. Uh, By the way, tomorrow. you stole that pen from the um, Langham. I didn't steal it. It's oh, he stole it. Mm-hmm. Many others, just like that one, have gone missing. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? Those I of you at the Langham, you're missing a lot of those pens. <laughs> Mud, yeah, just this one because he gave me like yeah. Six. Shame on you for stealing that pen from the Langham. Oh, that's terrible. We both feast. Hotel in L.A. I have, I mean, just in my office down the hall, uh, an entire cup full of these. I love them, as you know. They write beautifully. Uh, like these? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to call the police. <laughs> They're there to be used. Mm, but not bad. take. I don't think it's to take. I don't know. Use and take are two different things. I have to find somebody who works in the hospitality industry and ask them. I don't want to see this in case anybody asked me. Right. I never saw it happen. Yeah, here, here it is. You leave your room with the Langham and you see the, the maid's cart, right? The housekeeping cart. Oh, you, you crush the cart. You do one of these. No, no, no. But no. I have a pen. Oh, no. Just from the room. Oh, Why are you going into other people's rooms to get theirs, too? <laughs> Never said that. All right. I'm ending this. We're <laughs> out of here. Uh, enjoy your Yankee Stadium experience tomorrow. Wear your pass. Mom and Dad, I love you very much. Thanks for watching. And Tom Barker, take a hike.